0: Ready? Three, two, one.
1: Back to episode 8 of Artist Impressions. This week I'm joined by painter, jewellery maker, embroiderer and theatre maker Dominika Yukar. How are you, hey. welcome. I'm good
0: thank you, how are you doing?
1: Good, yeah yeah I'm good. Um, it's lovely to see you. Yeah you too let's let's start by talking about the the painting you've been doing like this week I know you've been working on some things recently so like what's what's going on what are you making
0: ah uh, so I'm currently working on a piece um it actually ended up not being a painting uh right it ended up being kind of like a embroidered sort of yeah thing oh sorry to explain it now it's just you know, <laughs> how do I how do I do this um yeah, so basically uh, I was uh, chosen to participate in this show at Tatha Gallery, which Amazing. is a Scottish gallery um, that have selected, like, a few um, graduates across, oh, uh, across Scotland uh, from the year that we graduated in. Um, and, yeah, so the exhibition is supposed to be, off, I think, from... Oh, I'm probably going to get the date wrong here, but end of February time into March. And of course, with lockdown, we're not really sure sure if that's going to go ahead anymore. But um, so, yeah, I've been making this piece uh, with that in mind, because part of the whole show is that they're hoping to get people who would hopefully be interested in buying our work nice and my work is very um unbuyable <laughs> <laughs> that's not true I know <laughs> no I think like it looks good in you know an exhibition setting or white cube setting or you know in the in the purpose of mm. being shown in an exhibition but it's not exactly the kind of work that people buy to put in their houses like they're not gonna buy like a flappy bit of material or (laughs) curtain to like hang up on their wall you know it's just not it it doesn't it doesn't really translate in that way and um I've always been kind of anti-traditional painting Mm -hmm. in the sense of like from I've as long as I can remember for a while actually you know I've always been like boycotting stretchers and been like I, I'm working <laughs> yeah. on loose canvas this is so no. much more organic I'm turning my paintings into objects kind of yeah wanky stuff like that <laughs> uh, uh and then I kind of I guess gave in and was like I'm gonna make a, a piece which I'm going to stretch onto Fair. a stretcher so to make it something that is, to give it the purpose of you can put it up on a wall. But I was like, I'm still not going to comply to these. Oh, oh my God, I sound like <laughs> such a wanker. But, no, 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 this is the whole um, point of the podcast. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast. But. Oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> so I've basically been using this uh, like netting material, this sort of gauzy pink, completely like translucent material. And then I've embroidered kind of, Oh, I, I mean, I can show it to you on here, but nobody else is going to be able to see it. <laughs> well, I'll, eventually we can put a picture on the Instagram yes, and then yes. everyone can I'll just, you yeah. I'll send a picture. Um, yeah, so it's kind of in, inspired by, it's very similar to kind of the rest of the stuff that I've done. So abstract landscapes and taking mm-hmm. a lot of colour and working with line and organic shape and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I've used like thread and wool to do it mm-hmm. instead of paint uh yeah and I was intending to paint on top of it but actually I think I'm gonna leave it as is I don't want to over complicate mm-hmm. it but yeah that's the piece I'm working on at the moment
1: <laughs> amazing oh I'm so excited for your exhibition I'll go and see it yeah 100% but also I really do think like I would if I had walls big enough I'd I'd love to hang up your Aww. massive paintings but maybe one day when I have a, a house that is,
0: yeah <laughs> that would would fit yeah. it in I'll save one just for you. But this <laughs> painting that. that I'm doing, well, painting, uh, this piece that I'm making now is really small. It's like 30 by 30 centimetres. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's new for you. Very um, consumable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is that
1: is that change in size, like because of the, your workspace or because you feel like you want to work a bit smaller because you have been working really massive for a while? Yeah,
0: no, I I've always enjoyed working on, a much larger scale, but I think it's pro- it's mostly practical. I don't have well, also because I was intending to paint on it first. I had the intention mm-hmm. of painting on it. I don't really have the space anymore to do any kind mm. of painting because uh, I also yeah. use color, uh, um, oil paints, mm. which are notoriously difficult to get off of mm-hmm. anything. So yeah, um, so I yeah, in terms of practicality, I kind of chose to go for a smaller size, but also a lot of the embroidery stuff that I do anyway is Mm. sort of on the smallest scale anyway, because I I can't do, I mean, I could, but it would take like years, I think. And I don't think I have the patience for that. So, yeah, it was kind of, I wanted to focus more on the embroidery side of it. So I kind of mm. had to scale it down for that reason as well.
1: Let's work backwards in time a bit. Um, <laughs> you graduated from ECA in 2020. Um, unfortunately, because of the, the world as it is, you didn't get to have a degree show. But um, can you describe how it would have been, how your your final degree project would have been so we can imagine that we got to see it. Oh
0: god, oh what a throwback <laughs> that is, honestly. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, so when we started sort of going into lockdown and stuff, I think we were like eight weeks away from yeah, our degree show. I think something like that. So we mm. were in the stage where we had um submitted our degree show proposals. And so it was like a general sort of, not refined, but sort of a general idea of it. And um, yeah, at that point, I was working on quite large pieces of fabric and kind of stitching large pieces of fabric together um, and sort of mm. experimenting with hanging pieces of fabric in a space. Mm. And it became a lot about uh, theatricality and an environment and it turned well, my sort of idea of what I wanted to do for my degree show, of course, this changed multiple times later on when we were sort of refining it. Um, but it kind of moved a little bit away from that traditional sense of this is a painting, which is on a mm. wall or just off mm. the wall, which is how I've been presenting a lot of my stuff at that time. Um, and it was going more into, I guess, like installation, um mm-hmm and sort of creating an atmosphere or creating a space uh, with my paintings. Mm. Um, So basically what the incredibly ambitious idea (laughs) that I had Mm. for my degree show, which I'm not even sure if I would have been able to realise, to be honest, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I would have wanted to work in one of the very small studios Mm. um, and take up the whole take out the whole space and then have multiple, multiple layers of mm. hanging fabric from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Laura, you know, the ceilings in ECA are quite high. <laughs> oh, my god, yeah. So these would have been, like, seven metre high, sort of. Yeah. Five metres across paintings. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, very ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah at that point I was kind of, it was supposed to be a mixture of this sort of abstract landscape painting with the incorporation of stitching and sewing and soft materials mm. um and then the we were sort of experimenting at the time as well with lighting the space um mm. in a way that sort of maybe added a sort of ambient feel to it yeah. as well um but yeah I think the focus at that point, was bringing the idea of vast, expanded landscape with this cosy, domestic feeling and sort of finding a way to combine the two and put it into a space. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Gorgeous. And and I do feel like I can picture some of that because, actually, I feel so fortunate that um, you exhibited some work last February um, called uh, Warm Beds, Cold Walks. Yeah. And... It's, that's. I feel so lucky that you you got that opportunity to exhibit your work in February because at least we got to see some of how your ideas were developing and and whatever. Yeah. Um. So so would have would your your degree show have sort of built on that that project the the warm beds cold walks. Yeah,
0: definitely. I also feel so grateful to have had that opportunity because yeah, I mean they. Uh, we had to apply for that and they sort of selected mm. two people yeah. yeah from the year group uh, to to do that so yeah I felt mm. I felt really lucky to have had that opportunity and I also think that I I think that a lot of the ideas that I had for the degree show very much stemmed from a uh, warm bed cold walk from that sort of installation exhibition and to be honest I think that without that opportunity I probably would have gone in a very different direction with my work Mm. or maybe I would have ended up in the same place but found a different way of getting there yeah um but I remember being quite stressed about that because I was like (laughs) I'm not actually sure what this is going to be like until I can get into the space and I had a a a week to install all my work and and do my wall painting and everything um but yeah, I think one very much fed into the other because I, yeah. it was the first time that I kind of was able to put all of my work into a space and have it sort of be able to speak for itself. Because that was my first solo exhibition. Uh, and of course, I've participated in multiple, multiple group exhibitions uh, before that. But when you're in a group exhibition... You submit one or two works, and everyone's work sort of feeds off of each other. You know, you mm. cur- you curate the space, you curate it in a way that you know. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first time that I was like, oh my god, my work has to actually be good enough that <laughs> it can hold up its own space, and you know. Um, so that was kind of, I think, a big, a big mm. step for, for that sort yeah. of yeah experience,
1: yeah. I have such fond memories of that evening because I feel like it was Aww. one of the last sort of events that I went to with friends and wine Aww. and, you know, like, it was, it was sort of, yeah, I, that's, yeah, one of the last things we got to do. Yeah, that's um, true. I'm really struck by how that investigation of, like, the outdoors and the indoors actually has almost become even more relevant with this, like, age of lockdown. Yeah. And your, like, your painting yeah. sort of evokes something about, like, being cosy inside and and sort of longing to go outside and but but going outside into them into the hills is kind of the only thing you can do. And I wonder I wonder like um how lockdown has like affected your practice and how lockdown's made you think about that project. Well,
0: who would have thought that I would have been able to predict <laughs> that there's a pandemic coming with my artwork? <laughs> you know, I, I, I never really like thought about it that much, I guess. <laughs> uh i i didn't have to (laughs) at that point yeah well i think my relationship with art making art on artwork with the with lockdown has been extremely turbulent Mm -hmm. um and pretty much since we went into our first lockdown i've had no desire to be creative (laughs) in any way whatsoever yeah um it completely killed all of my creativity, and I went, once I submitted all of my uh final year stuff, mm. the next time I picked up a paintbrush was uh October, I think yeah, uh so yeah, I had no desire to sort of do that, which is yeah, so then kind of thinking about how how this artwork has sort of been. It does kind of represent this like link of longing for longing for the outdoors, but I guess I never thought about it as like longing for the outdoors, but be- being stuck inside. I've always yeah, thought yeah, it, it as like wasn't... a like an equal sort of yeah, an equal desire to be in both. And it kind of just translated. Well, now I guess it's kind of just <laughs> yeah. like I'm stuck inside. Get me out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess you could kind (laughs) of receive the work in a, in a different way now, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, does does that kind of answer the question?
1: Yeah, no, definitely, (laughs) definitely. I'm interested. So some of your like earlier degree work was like very abstract and I'm Mm. interested in the sort of development from really abstract work to like slightly more figurative. Like now you can see the sort of landscapes within your abstract marks. I'm, I'm interested in that, that development.
0: Yeah. Um... God, I've not, I've not really I've not really thought <laughs> about that you know because I've always I've always labeled my work as abstract I've always thought of mm. it as as abstract um and that's actually that's actually interesting because some of the some of the work actually I think you know when I was doing those like big mountain paintings mm, yeah I always thought that that was more figurative than some of the stuff that I'm doing that some of the stuff that I did more recently mm. um but that was also, I think, the, like the conversations were kind of different at that point, maybe, and stuff as well. But um, I guess I've always, I've always enjoyed making more abstract work mm-hmm. uh, because I've always had an interest in um, organic shape and the idea of chance and sort of mm-hmm. letting things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Mm. Um and so I think maybe when I was going through my heavily abstract phase <laughs> although I don't I can't even remember if there was ever a time that I didn't make abstract work um yeah I even like in, even in school all of my yeah. work was sort of abstraction of light or abstraction of the body uh it was always taking something and turning it into something completely else but I guess Um, yeah, I guess maybe the stuff that's, that's more abstract, I guess that was a time maybe of higher experimentation. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, and higher experimentation with material and chance and, uh, what's that word? Spontaneity. (laughs) That's the word. (laughs) Um, and just kind of like letting things happen in that way. And I think maybe because then coming into fourth year everything feels a bit more calculated like you you want to make sure that what you're making is you know thought through and maybe that's why it became more figurative in a way or yeah I'm not sure that's
1: what art school's for I guess isn't it like experimenting and then yeah and then sort of finding things in it um what let's talk a bit more generally um about your relationship to like color and texture because I feel like that's so 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 integral to your work um so yeah talk about the significance of color in your work the
0: significance of color in my work I just you know what I can't even I this sounds so lame but I can't even find the words to describe how much I love color (laughs) (laughs) I've just I've always had such a fascination with with color and such like a An appreciation for it I think I mean I tend to wear a lot of colour my personal spaces tend to be filled with Mm colour and I think that just feeds into my work yeah I think I think because I love being surrounded by colour and I love putting colour into my life that that's the reason that it fed into my work and not that my artwork fed into like my personal you know yeah, um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know how to answer the question without being like, <laughs> I think colors are pretty. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, That's a good answer. Uh, I think there's just like a a, a big fascination there in terms yeah. of how magical the eye is and being able to distinguish so many different variations of the same thing. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just fun. But, yeah. but you know what? I also, um, I also go through phases where it's either, all of my work has pretty much been either full-on, very bright colour, quite a lot of texture, or mm-hmm. completely monochrome.
1: Interesting. Like, I've,
0: I've done a bunch of work, uh, especially in my first year, and also whilst I was still doing A-levels, I went through a heavy like yeah monochrome phase and I did you know that painting that stayed in your flat the old flat oh yes. for yeah. like yeah years <laughs> that was like a heavily geometric it very was, black yeah. and white painting yeah which I mean I hated and <laughs> that's why I never picked it up but, uh, <laughs> um But yeah, I guess it's kind of like a palette cleanser. Yeah. And then I kind of come back to to using colour. But then I think also more recently, um, I've seen a development in my use of more neutral colours. And I think that's also, I've seen that in the way that I dress now as well. Mm. Uh, I still wear a lot of colours, but some people have now said to me that they really associate me with wearing a lot of like browns and, and creams and greens Ooh, and that kind of thing, cheek. which I'm like, really? <laughs> that's now, interesting. I
1: think, you, I think, I think of you as your like massive yellow and pink scarf. Yeah, <laughs> that, That's
0: what we're all thinking of. Isn't it? A classic dummy staple item of clothing, my massive rainbow scarf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was one of the one of the paintings that I I sent to you earlier today, mm. uh, which was in um Warm Beds, Cold Walks, um, which is slightly smaller scale, does kind of have a lot more neutral colours in it. Yeah. Which I didn't I just didn't really that wasn't on purpose, I just kind of it just kinda of happened yeah. and then one of my tutors was like, This is a lot more like turned down than <laughs> what you usually do and I thought, like, oh, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know, it just brings me joy and... I think that's fair enough. Oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> I'm interested in... You spent a few months studying painting in Santa Cruz. And I'm interested in, like, how that environment compared with Edinburgh, like, changed or impacted your painting practice in any way.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: Uh, I guess just, like, even just, like, the temperatures of Edinburgh and California. Yeah. Quite,
0: oh, it's <laughs> so... quite different. It's so different. I think... The the artwork and the environment that I was in and also the level of study there was so different. Like, not mm-hmm. even comparable to the work I've made in Edinburgh, my surroundings in Edinburgh, and yeah. the teaching style in Edinburgh. Those three factors, yeah. I think, were just so com- so completely opposite. that It's interesting that there, there were definitely... Highs and lows, but I made a lot of highly, highly abstract work when I was in Santa Cruz, which I loved doing and I enjoyed so much and then, as soon as I tried to bring that back to Edinburgh, it just wasn't working at all. It just did not translate in the same way. I lost the spark it wasn't it wasn't working uh, so whatever happened in California I very much stayed in California <laughs> uh, but um it was also kind of a bit of a strange atmosphere because. I was there as a third year so I was in the first semester of my third year and of of course an exchange student and I was put into a class of fourth years so they were all like in their senior year so they were all the year above me and a lot of them weren't actually studying art as their major a lot of them were kind of taking an art class on the side of there was, like, a girl doing neuroscience and a guy doing physics and stuff like that. So the teaching was very, very different. And, yeah, I... It, the teaching was very much, like, today we're going to paint a figure. And we're going to okay. use different methods of using glazes. And, like, today we're doing a still life. And, which is so different. Yes, yeah. So yeah. different. Because, yeah, I mean, in a way, that to me was like, what we were doing in, like, year nine at school. Yeah. You know, that was when, that was a time when we were learning different techniques, learning different methods, Mm. having, like, an exposure to different kinds of things. And by the time we choose that we want to actually do art for, you know, either GCSE, A-level, I mean, even university, they expect you to have a certain level of knowledge and capability at that point Mm. already. Yeah. So, yeah, being put in this class of, seniors who were nevertheless there to like learn how to like paint a person was just so weird. And there, yeah, so there was three of us there who um so the other two were art majors, so their main degree mm. was art. And so at first it was just the two of them and they were I kinda noticed that they were allowed to sort of sit in the corner and do their own work. Uh that they didn't have to participate right. in this in this class, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of asked the the tutor as well. I was like, "Can I just focus on my own art making because I don't think that this is helpful to my practice?" And she was like, "Yeah, of course." So I was ca- joined this like little gang of yeah, really really talented artists. Yeah, one guy, oh, he's going to be so famous, and I can't wait. Um, <laughs> he was so t- what I think probably one of the most talented painters I've ever met in my life. But yeah, so it was very much like I was completely left to my own devices. And the I think the tutor was almost kind of shocked as to like what I was doing and and my independence in it because I mean out of the whole class of like 30 people there were only three people who were you know interested in sort of developing their own work mm. as artists and sort of very much heading yeah. into the Yeah. So I received a lot of praise and not very much criticism at that point. Which is very, very opposite to everything I've experienced at Edinburgh. Because yeah. at Edinburgh, I get a lot of criticism and not very much praise. So right. I was like, oh my God, I'm thriving. <laughs> when actually it was just their level, that like their standard of the course was just not, right. you know. Yeah. So I don't know if, I think it, I think it did sort of help my development in my practice. But at the same time, I don't know if I, developed that much because I wasn't really receiving any sort of good criticism at that point and but it was really fun (laughs) yes (laughs) It it was just really fun and very warm and like lovely and of course well a lot of the stuff that I was doing more recently and the landscapes and all of that and even the stuff that I was doing towards the end of third year. And that whole idea that I'm now focusing on about like that feeling of being in a vast, expanded landscape and that feeling of nostalgia that comes with it, I think very much came from that Californian experience of being like, oh, I just miss being somewhere so open and- Interesting.
1: Um, Let's move on because you are not just a painter, you're also a theatre maker and a jewellery maker and an embroiderer. Um, <laughs> on On your website, you talk about the relationship between your like theatre making and your painting. I'm really interested in that and then also sort of how your painting feeds into your theatre making.
0: Oh, so this is, yeah. I, I always find it difficult to articulate this, this connection between the two. I feel like I spent like hours trying to write that paragraph being like I don't really know what I'm trying to say here but I really like both (laughs) but I guess just the idea of I mean they're so different I I wrote my whole dissertation about sort of uh, theatricality and painting and it does kind of feed into that idea of I mean specifically my work feeds into the idea of expanding beyond, I mean, kind of like what I said before that I don't really like to use stretches and I like to work on loose material. I'm trying to like expand beyond the space that is the painting, if that Mm. makes any sense at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. I think the theatres is what sort of fed into that. I was looking at a lot of artists, you know, even like Picasso and, and Hockney, who Uh, famously Mm. did a lot of set painting for, like, operas and all sorts of very large-scale, very cool theatre productions. But, I mean, their practice, painting practice, is, is maybe not expanded in that sort of space. But it was sort of that idea of they're creating a set, they're creating a space through the use of painting, which is just what I was quite interested in. And then I think that the feeling of... Yeah, like, giving the impression of there being something beyond what you're just looking at which i think then feeds into the theater making when if you're watching something and you're fully immersed in what's going on you're you're seeing beyond you're seeing beyond the idea that these are just actors on a stage like in a nice set you know you're 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 seeing the story you're seeing this you're seeing something deeper than that being played out and your imagination and kind of kicks in at that point so i guess there's kind of like a, a connection with in that way i think yeah but then i also think that my theatre making and my art making are also extremely different uh because i think i think of my theatre making <laughs> as, I don't think stripped back is, is the right word, but I see it in like a more clean way. I don't know if that, I, I don't really know how to describe it, but I think there's like a lot of, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of color and texture happening in my painting and my artwork. And then yeah, in my theater making, I like to kind of, I, I think I like the idea of geometry more. And I like the idea of, of like line. And But even apart from just the visual side of it, this idea of kind of stripping it to the text and and looking very precisely at the text and then being able to emphasise certain points. Yeah, I hope that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it does. It does. And actually, like, having seen the plays you've either designed or directed or whatever that that does actually make a lot of sense as they're they're, they're much more sort of paired back somehow so you're you're going to be doing a master's in theatre practice and I'm interested in sort of how you feel your theatre and your painting sort of like pulling you like what directions do you feel it taking you in do you know do you primarily want to make theatre do you primarily want to be a painter who also makes theatre sort of how is it How is it leading you?
0: To be honest, I think I primarily want to be a theatre maker. Uh, I think I'd much rather be immersed in the world of theatre than in the world of art, to be honest. Uh, I think especially towards the end of my degree, my relationship with the art world has become a little bit (laughs) complicated. (laughs) And I wrote multiple essays on why the art world sucks, (laughs) which to be fair, like a lot of industries suck. The theatre industry also kind of sucks in its own way as well, you know, but oh, I don't want this to sound really sad. I'm not trying to make it sound really sad, but like, I think coming to university to want to do painting, I felt very bright eyed and in love with painting and all that. And then I think doing a degree in art has taken some of that love a little bit away. Mm-hmm. But no I don't think it's that it's taken away my love for art making because I still love making art, but I think it's the, the idea of like putting value on it and putting a time pressure on it and putting like mm-hmm. all these limitations on your creativity and having deadlines and, and all that stuff is just it feels like a killer for creativity you know and even for this uh tatha gallery exhibition she she the lady who got in contact with me asked me what the prices of my pieces were and i i mean to be fair I, i had no idea where to even start that's not that's not even something that we covered in art school which it should be should be covered oh no wow that i'm so shocked
1: that that wasn't covered that feels like something really important oh to
0: Laura um, I didn't really get much of an <laughs> education to be honest like let's be <laughs> real here <laughs> uh I think a lot of people who have just graduated from ECA probably don't have the best anyway <laughs> um but yeah she was like oh just let me know how much your paintings cost and blah 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 and all this stuff and um, and I was like, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then also with this. So the gallery takes a 40% commission off of the the work as well, which is, I mean, I don't really have any experience with showing any of my work in a professional gallery. This is my first time. So I don't really know how it functions and what is the right way for it to, you know, it is it is to be honest it is just the reality of of this is how it works if you want to show your artwork then you know but yeah i forgot what the original question was <laughs> um it was it was about theatre oh <laughs> um, but you answered
1: the question though. know okay no, you okay <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your jewelry making and your embroidery yeah because um that seems like sort of like a separate slightly separate thing um a couple of weeks ago actually a couple of months ago for the podcast I interviewed my friend Bryony mm. who also similarly to you sort of like studied fine art and has like a fine art practice but also like on the side does kind of jewellery making yeah and things. um and and I feel like there is this like sense maybe among like some um fine artists to want like another outlet for creativity that's a bit more like Practical yeah.
0: somehow, so yeah, yeah I don't definitely. know
1: what's what's your relationship to to that kind of your yeah your jewellery and
0: the jewellery. So it, I started off, um, you know, I do the I do all of my jewellery and embroidery under the name Fourth Floor. Um, mm-hmm. so, Check it out, <laughs> um, and it started off with the embroidery, uh, and this started in second year, uh, and I was basically just. I, I I can't even really remember where this came from, uh, but I kind of had this epiphany idea, and I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna start a business and I'm gonna be a businesswoman, uh, which <laughs> I'm definitely not. Um, <laughs> I have no understanding in business, which is quite awful actually, but uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna like buy really boring clothes from charity shops. So like secondhand clothes, and then I'm just gonna make them really fun and add, like you know, give them a new life, and hopefully it would kind of encourage people to to buy clothes which are more you know sustainable and also just like more fun. And then I was also offering uh, to embroider clothes that people already had uh, for the same purpose of like giving it a new life and helping people fall back in love with their clothes um so that's kind of how that started and that was when I first ever really started embroidering just because I had like a curiosity for it um and yeah got hooked quite quickly um just really enjoyed the process of it um it's I think also my brain is always in 10 places at the same time. So it's good to give yourself an activity that requires like a lot of focus on just one thing. Uh, I think it kind of, it like, yeah, it's good for my brain to focus sometimes and not think about a billion things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what it started as. Uh, and then the jewellery came a lot later. The jewellery started summer after third year. Which is when Mm. we were doing fringe. Yes, and you were living with me. And I was living with you. That's where all my jewellery making started. That's where I made my (laughs) first pair of earrings. I made my first pair of earrings in your flat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it very much came from... Oh, no, actually, that's a lie. I did make a pair of earrings before that. Okay, my desire to try and make jewelry came from when i was staying with my friend my very very good friend zoe who lives in seattle and she's a very cool very creative person and she had like a bunch of jewelry making uh stuff and she was like dommy i'm going to take you to a bead shop and you're going to fucking love it and i was like oh my god i'm so <laughs> and she took me to this shop oh my god my i, I love stuff like that i love just like tiny little like colourful things I'm like a magpie (laughs) and it was just like this massive room of every single kind of bead that you can imagine and I was like oh my god this is amazing and it was just yeah it was just that idea of like designing and making that I was like oh yes so that was when I made like my first kind of pieces of jewellery and I made some like really funky necklaces that i loved and then i didn't come back to it for like another year and a half that was when i was staying with you over fringe and all of our rehearsals were in the evening um and i couldn't get a job i just nobody hired me that summer i don't know why and so i was like what do i what am i going to be doing during the day and i was like this is the perfect time for me to give jewelry making a go so yeah it kind of just started from that and again a lot of the jewellery that I make is very colourful and very kind of mm-hmm. I've got
1: some Yeah. Oh Orange and blue ones here. Oh I forgot about Which, that pair. Yeah. This one's lost its little thing so I need oh, to fix no. it. But I I think I got it somewhere, but I want it I need to fix it. But I have I do wear them when they're wearable.
0: But yeah, look, aren't oh, they cute? Oh, it's so <laughs> nice to it. But yeah. It's so nice to see it. Yeah, the, yeah in they're still other great, they're, they're, Aww. they're still loved. <laughs> I completely forgot about that pair. But yeah, it's just like I like playing with color and shape and stuff like that. And every pair that I make is different. And a lot of it also is done on request. So people ask for a pair and they say what kind of colours or what kind of style and then I kind of just make something, which is really fun. And then I kind of put that into my fourth floor stuff. I guess it's kind of, I think the fourth jewellery has kind of taken over the embroidery a little bit, but they're both still there. Um,
1: right, uh, we should probably move on to the questions that I ask all my guests. But before I do, I should have said this earlier, I get my guests to name their episode. So I'll just like let you think about that for a while and later on you can, we can... Oh my gosh okay have a think about that but we'll move on the first question i ask people is can you tell me about an artist that's made a big impression on your work
0: katerina gross a german artist who does a lot of expanded painting really really cool yeah uh she does exhibitions all over the world and she basically yeah takes over an entire space and and sort of uh it kind of looks quite graffiti like um but she basically like spray paints and, yeah, uses a spray gun and makes these incredible, incredible spaces into paintings that you can walk into. Oh, it's amazing. Cool.
1: I'll look her up. Um, the next question is, what impression do you want your art to make on the world? And that can be like your theatre, your painting, your whatever. Yeah. What impression do you want I to make on
0: the world? I think in general... I would like people to just have a sense of enjoyment with my work. I think a lot, like a big, a big topic that comes with making abstract art is sort of the, well, maybe not abstract art as much as like conceptual art. But I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they were saying that they don't really get abstract art because they feel like they need to know what's happening and they need to understand what's happening and... For me, abstract art is very much like i i it might be a lot of a lot of artists would see this as like a shallow form of you know appreciating artwork but for me i I am a very visual person so for me it's like even if i if I have the intentions as an artist to make something it's supposed to be something it doesn't necessarily mean that I want all of my viewers to see that otherwise I'd be doing like figurative work you know but just a sense of like I hope it brings you a form of joy in some way I hope (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> it does for me. Oh, I'm glad.
1: My next question is, is there a piece of art that you would like everyone or most people to encounter that you think maybe would, like, make the world a better place or, like, help people understand
0: something? And that can be, like, any form of art. I'm not really sure that this would make the world a better place, but it is a cool, not a specific artwork, but the the artist that immediately came to mind was um, James Turrell or James Turrell. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, oh. Who's the
0: artist that we saw together I in berlin i love him yeah so he's a he's an american artist who we saw at the the Jewish museum he had an exhibition on at the Jewish museum in berlin just to describe the the work that was there i don't even remember what it was called but you basically you it's like this space and you kind of walk in and then there are these stairs and they also only let in like five people at a time and it's like a completely white space but then you walk in and then it like turns blue. No, at the end it's blue or something. I can't, I can't even remember. The one we saw, I
1: think it was pink when we arrived, but it changed colour. So I remember, it, I remember it as being pink. You remember
0: it being pink. But I think it was... I remember it really vividly being, like, deep blue. I think it changed colour whilst we were in there. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. But it's basically... it's It's a total immersion of colour. You just... You know, like, when you... You know when you're in pitch black and you close your eyes and um and it's like that weird feeling of like you open your eyes and it doesn't make a difference sort of thing i would kind of just describe it as a similar feeling of of that because it's like if you're looking if you're not looking at one of the corners if you're just kind of looking into the space and you have your eyes open it's there's almost like a sense of like sensory deprecation yeah. like the, it you're just completely overloaded with the visual and you can't see anything apart from color and it's think it's such a wonderful experience yeah maybe if you're curious as to why I like color so much you should go to a James Turrell exhibition oh it's so cool yeah no
1: you're right I think that's yeah perfect it's almost like a spiritual experience being in there because it's like it's like an imaginary space isn't it it really is um extraordinary yeah and so peaceful beautiful what a good what a good recommendation (laughs) um and the last question that I ask everyone is just do you have any recommendations for listeners at all of like things you've been enjoying reading or watching or listening
0: to just like oh gosh I thought I thought this would come to me last minute but (laughs) so I at the moment I've been recommended to to watch the serpent. Cool. What's that? It is a TV show, BBC iPlayer, I think. It's very disturbing. It's not. It's not very enjoyable. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but it's basically about. It's. It's based on real events. About and it's all set in the seventies. It has quite a cool like seventies aesthetic, but um, it's interesting. And the fact that it's based on real events is terrifying. And. But other than that, I'm also reading Queenie at the moment. Oh yes, I've heard that's really really good. Yeah, it is good. It's a very like I mean the the topic of com- the topics of conversation are like not easy, but it's written in a very easy to read way. It's very accessible and yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to like one thing or another. And not everything, of course, but um, yeah, there's yeah, it's 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 interesting and it's quite an easy thoughtful yeah. read I
1: cool think. brilliant yeah. excellent recommendations um, I know I only sprung it on you a few minutes ago but have you thought of <laughs> something to name the episode you can, you can always let me know after we finish recording it
0: well I feel like it now has to have something to do with colour in it I might have to get back to you on that one that's okay that's okay colour 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 <laughs> colour <laughs> Well, we'll think about it. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on Artist Impressions, Domi. Thank you for having me.